You're listening to Live from My Mother's Basement with me, Mike Marino. Live from My Mother's Basement here. It's Tuesday night, 5 o'clock in California, 8 o'clock on the East Coast. Folks, I can't tell you how excited I am to be doing the show tonight with my comedian buddy. Uh Uh-oh, what the fuck happened over here? Uh Uh-oh, there he is. There we go. We had a little bit of a, a blowout. Ladies and gentlemen... Everybody knows him as Tehran, but tonight we're going to find out that there's a little bit more to that name than just Tehran. I know him as Comedian Tehran. We're going to have so much fun, and one of the funniest things we're going to have going on tonight is my man looking like this and going to be having some Italian food. Tehran, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, man. I'm excited to be here. You know, I never thought I'd ever say I'm excited to be in your mother's basement. I never thought. Look. That's one of those things, a million years, I would have never thought. I would have been like, hey, you know where I'm excited to be? Mike Marino's mother's basement. (laughs) I'm so glad he said it like that. We're going to have some fun. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of shit going on in the world today. And thank God for us entertainers, slash comedians, slash actors, for bringing some joy into the world. And this man brings joy into so many people's lives Night after night after night, he's really blowing up big in the comedy world. I've been watching you now for, I don't know, a couple of years, somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've How long have we been like, doing stand-up over I've been club? at the Lap Factory for nine years. Is it nine years? I've known you for nine years. Nine years. Holy shit, it goes by so yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was so young. I had life. I, I wasn't tainted by Hollywood, you know? It was like I was... And then Mike Marino came and, hey, hey, over here. Hey. Hey, <laughs> kid. I don't know if I ever said kid. But I feel like I would have loved How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Well, he can't say kid anymore. He's a lot bigger than I am. But I'm sure he's a lot younger than you're I am. Always, you're always the man. All right, let's let's start. Um, I usually start with a rant, what's crazy going on in the news. But I have so much I want to talk to him about. Because I really don't know his life. All I know is his comedy. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to watch this guy. Especially if you're here in Los Angeles. And now going out on tour. We're going to talk about who he's touring with. And my relationship with who you are touring with. Which is really, really great. How this stuff all happens. Alright. Mothers, yeah, thank God. Alright, keep on writing into the show, folks. Because in about a half hour, when we start eating, we're going to talk to uh, Tehran. And you can ask him all the questions that you want to. There's people writing in. People it changed writing. the format. It used to be on the side. People are waving watch. at you on Instagram. Which hey, is everybody. Here we are. People. You have horror, uh, the horror nerd. You have Robert, horror nerd. Robert Italian. He makes movies. Horror nerd. Yeah, he what makes kind of movie? horror okay. movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're saying horror? It's horror. horror. I call it horror. <laughs> We're all getting older. We can't read this far away. But... I say horror. Horror. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's got an accent. Horror. Oh, horror movies. Um, you remember I called you that one time because my friend Ian Ziering was yeah. making a movie, and uh, I was out on a cruise ship entertaining. And Ian Ziering from 90210, who played Steve, is a friend of mine from when we were younger, right? And uh, we used to go on commercial auditions together in the city, which is New York City, for the people who don't understand that I said the city. They need to know, when he says the city, there's only one city. There's (laughs) the other city, not this city. So uh, he called me up and he goes, uh, Mike, I don't even know if we could say this, but I'm going to say it because, you know, why dance around this? I need a black comedian. (laughs) Go... You want Tehran from the Laugh Factory? That's what he said. That fast. He said, yeah. And he goes, really? I'm like, yeah. And uh, he's a great actor, he's a great host, and he's a great comedian. And you see, that's where I think 
entertainers, and I say the word entertainer because we're more than just comedians. We can do anything. 100%. Uh, we help each other just that fast because within an instant, I knew the answer, and I was hoping it was going to work out. They started to communicate, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out, but at least he was at the top of the pick just that fast. Because 100%. That connection. See, a lot of people don't realize entertainment's not a zero-sum game. It's not like I, I can only win if you lose. We can all win together. That's the best way. It's a team sport. Comedy is a team sport. And Mike is always a con connector. Every time I have you on the show, I swear industry comes out. Every, every single Italian actor that you've ever liked <laughs> shows up. You know the guys that you like, yo, I see him in every movie? They show up for Mike Marino every single time. I'm, I'm enjoying that, too. It's getting yeah. more and more and more. Thank God. It's a, it's a great thing because... You know, I used to, I started stand-up saying I always wanted to be in a mob movie, but I'm always the Irish cop that gets whacked in the beginning. And now I'm starting to get closer and closer to playing one of those wise guys, so. Have you ever done a 23andMe? No. I, don't know. I would love if Mike Marino finds out he's not even Italian. He's like 23% French, a quarter a Irish. Persian. Yeah, he's like half Persian. I don't even like Italian I'm, food. I'm going to look at you and I'm be like, see? You had no idea. Mike Marino's. I need a 20. If, if anyone out there has a 23 and me sponsor, I need you to contact Mike Marino. Let's get him a 23 and me. Let's prove. Cause this, you're a little pale. That, that, I'm very pale, and with these lights on, I look like I'm not even here. <laughs> I'm very see-through. But it's just funny. I never even thought about the 23 and me. I have people who have done that. It would be really funny to find out that uh, I'm not the full-blooded Italian that my parents told me that I was. But then again, I look like my parents. Uh, okay. They're fair. Skin. But maybe they're not. See, here's the thing. I would understand. I would understand if they're Calabrese. Where are they from? Where are they from? <laughs> from the north? Where are they from? What, what part of Italy are they from? He's more Italian than me. This I is hilarious. Know. I want to know. Um, they're from the north. They Com got Campobasso. Oh, okay. Central. Campobasso. Central. They're in the middle. So you could have went 50-50. You could have yeah, went either way. Yeah. Yeah. I would love for you to take a 23 and me. Yeah. I'm telling you, you'll be surprised. This is going to be such a great show. You know why? Because I structure my show. We're nowhere near the beginning, and I have no idea. We're never going to get through the middle. All of a sudden, it's, I feel like I'm being interviewed. It's Take it away. Cool. You know, all I'm saying is this. I would love for you to be 35% black. I'm going, listen, I'm putting that on the books that Mike Marino is actually 30% black. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> I'm just saying. That's I have a new show. Yeah, Joe, you didn't even know. You didn't know how many how many roles you could have got. You didn't even know yeah, right? the things you were able to do. I could have did Boys in the Hood. Hey, you could have been, you could have been I Ricky. Could have, I could have, I could have did Boys in the Hood. Yeah, 100%. With my age, I could have been Breaking yeah. 1 and 2. Hilarious. Breaking. Um, I met Tyrone. Tyrone. I almost oh, said Tyrone. I, I got blacker. Did you see that? <laughs> now that he's half black, I got blacker. Did you see that? As soon as he found out he was a little black, I didn't, he didn't even think of that. He was like, I met Tyrone, me and Jamal. We were. He's going to say yo four times by the end of the show. I hope I get to the level that my podcast becomes so popular that I have to go on vacation and replace myself. And he does it. Oh, you're going to get. <laughs> you watch it live from my mother's basement with me. Tyrone. <laughs> not Tyrone. Yeah, not Tyrone. Tyrone. I almost said Tyrone. No. Or if I did, I did. But um, I guess it was nine years ago we're performing over at the Laugh Factory here in Hollywood. Laugh Factory in Hollywood is probably, if not the most famous club in the world. 
there are millions of comedians from around the world that would do anything to perform at the most prestigious home for entertainers in the world alongside, like, say, the Comedy Store. Maybe not the Improv too much anymore, but this is the most powerful club. It's also spread out. There's one in Chicago. There's one in Long Beach, California. There's one in San Diego now. There's the ever-presence, great one, Vegas. Um, Reno. Reno. Yeah, there's, and there's more coming, too, actually. Which is great. So to get uh, a, an opportunity to play at this place, you have to be outstanding, and you also have to have a thick coat of won't take no shit from nobody, and you'll keep on trying no matter what because the odds are you're probably not going to get it. And it's not so much that you're not good enough, it's just, you know, it's just so many. And then with the changing of... And the, you're the not time, good enough. Look, <laughs> you're, and you're not good. Like, there's all this politics, and you're not good enough. It's a sign of, it's both. Yes, I guess there is a lot of politics involved yeah, in this course. as well. I've been fortunate enough to be playing there for a long time. I love going there. I love my comedian friends. Although there is, I'd say, a little bit of a rivalry. Maybe there's a jealousy, or maybe the, uh, there's another word admiration for what some do. I think when the pandemic came around, I missed everybody like you have no idea. I'm like, I can't. I used to cry. I, I'm like, I just want to go see Tehran. I want to hug him. I don't even need stage time. I don't need to perform. I just want to say hello. Where'd you go? What happened to you guys? And during the pandemic in the beginning when the shit was really hitting the fan here in Hollywood, I was watching you in the news. I was watching everything you were doing and, I, and half of me was going, hey man, be careful. Dude, Dude, don't get killed. You know, you take some big ass chances yeah. on on any side. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I want to talk about that too. Because, yes, because you know, I'm like, I believe in you, bro. I care about you. Just don't get killed. If you know what I'm talking about. A hundred percent. And here, here's the thing. Actually, Mike was one of the few people that kept in contact with me. Yeah. And I would always respond right away because you're a real one. And um, I would say that the admiration is the number one thing. I don't know if you've ever seen Mike Marino live. You think he's great on the podcast? Mike Marino live is an experience. Ah. You walk away. Look, have you told everyone how you ran for president? Do you talk about that? Oh, this? we're still going to do it. Yeah, we do. Yeah, of course. You walk away <laughs> literally wanting to vote for Mike Marino. You literally are like, you know what? Can't. This is the way to go. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know... When the pandemic hit, we were getting ready to shoot a pilot about it. We had done 18 episodes of a web series called Make America Italian Again. Mm. And then we were getting ready to go into production with a pilot that was going to be, like, the best. And I was going to call all my comedian friends from the Laugh Factory and say, hey, you're going to play yourself in this project. That's and we're going to get everybody involved, especially comedians who have great timing and can play off each other in scenes. Because that, that's what I was doing. I had everybody in this, and we're going to do it again. We're not dead yet. We're definitely going to do it, but um, <laughs> we're not dead yet. Which, <laughs> you know what I mean. We're, we're gonna we're gonna do it then. Uh, so I'm at the Lab Factory, and I'm uh, I was watching you, and then night after night, you would see him cultivate a style. Now that became the uh, the robe look. We'll talk about that because when I first met you, you weren't doing this, and then it became a robe, and then it became the extravagant robes. Um, it used to be just like a robe that you would probably say, you know, where did he get that at the gym to these extravagant robes. And uh, I want to see how that all started. So tell us about, first of all, where are you even from? So so here's the thing. I grew up in Washington, D.C. 
That's like right, right in Washington D.C. and then the, uh, the suburbs. So I'm from Washington D.C. originally, and then the suburbs. And I literally was from D.C. I love D.C. I I wasn't planning on moving out. I never thought I'd be in L.A. I never thought I'd be doing comedy at all. I was involved in everything but. And so that's where my life began. But actually, I've been wearing the robe since high school. I just didn't wear it on stage because I wasn't comfortable yet and people were telling me what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to act and then one day I was just you the easiest ways for me to be myself and the reason the robes are more extravagant now is because I'm making way more money Mike Marino as the as the brand has grown and now now they give you robes they give you robes they're like wear these robes for us promote our brand that's the best part about making money is that people want to when you start making it people want to contribute give you more yeah that's the best thing all right, well, so you're you're from Washington, D.C., yeah. and you moved to Hollywood not for the business? I moved to Hollywood for the business. So this is, this is the exact way it went. From Washington, D.C., was valedictorian at my school, played basketball. I should have went to school for education, but I went for basketball. Then graduated with double, uh, double undergrad degrees in international politics and communications, got a master's and a law degree, was doing that, but was living this street life at the same time in dc because i was throwing events promoting throwing parties all that stuff i wanted to be puff daddy that's who i thought i was gonna oh be. no shit that's who i thought i was gonna all be right. i was gonna be puff daddy but then i got in some big trouble and i did a i did a fresh prince of bel-air when i got in big trouble i had to figure something out and that's when comedy came into my life through max amini and maz Jabrani, who were the first two people to let me on stage and i came to laugh factory got the opportunity to have a show and that was it and I was there ever since. Holy shit. I, I thought for sure you came out to Hollywood to pursue your career as a stand-up comedian. Because he's so good as a performer, but yet he's really, really good at what is what is one of the most difficult parts of stand-up comedy. And a lot of people don't know this. It's called the Master of Ceremonies. We call it the MC. You might call it the host. The real word is Master of Ceremonies. And they call him the master of ceremonies because he's the master of the evening. He's the one that can control when you sit, when you don't sit, when you pee, when you don't pee. Who's next, who's not next. He's the guy with the power to say, I'm going to make the next guy look like a giant. Or, you know what, I don't care about him, here he is. And this goes way back to uh, the beginning of vaudeville when that ring announcer came out and made sure that everybody was ready for the next comic. And that is very, very difficult. And you have to have a humbleness to you, and you have to have a a strange type of an ego, because he can actually take a punch for the next guy coming on stage, which is not what a typical comedian would do. I want to shine. He has to sometimes not shine to make somebody else shine. So he does this on Thursday nights now over at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. But I've watched him do it many, many times. One of the greatest introductions I ever get, I ever get is when he introduces me because he does it so great. I'm looking over my shoulder like, who the fuck's he talking Mike about? Mike Marino's great. Oh, it's greatness. But we, I really want everybody to understand. So he mastered the master of ceremonies, but he's also a comedian. So now the reverse. I'm hosting the show, and I say, now here's Tehran. He now comes out as that comedian, and he has them both. And you can also tell by watching him perform, he'll make a great actor 
or is making a great actor of himself. So the robes started from... They started from high school. I thought so, it was something like you were working out with Jamie Masada. No, 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 no. Jamie, you know, Jamie's the king of all that. Jamie Masada, by the way, is the owner of the Laugh Factory, for those who don't know. Um, real big shout out to all the people on Instagram Live who are waving Safi, Mr. Dutt, Jared Droy. Uh, is that Miguel Bitslacking? Okay, just whoever yeah, it is. Weird people got code names. Say your name. Yo, uh, it's, it's Instagram Live. Be your, be your WWE self. Be your nickname. Yep. Be your rapper name. But, so in high school, this is what happened. So here I am, like the cool kid, quote unquote. And uh, that's when I started wearing my name on my hat because we weren't allowed to wear team hats. So I started getting my own name. I'm my own favorite team. And the school, my little administrator, already had a problem with the hat. So fast forward to, we're taking the SATs. We're taking the SATs and they tell you to dress comfortable. They're like, dress comfortable. So half joking, half being serious, I wear a SpongeBob bathrobe that I love. This yellow SpongeBob bathrobe. With clothes, it's not like I'm naked, I go to take a test. My administrator's like, you're not allowed, you're, you're dressed inappropriately. I'm like, why? It's like, that's a house coat. And I was like, it's just a bathrobe. Like, we gave it a name. If, I, if it was black, you'd think it was a trench coat. Like, it, it's all up to your interpretation. As I'm arguing, the proctor is about to close the door and saying, you can't take the SATs, it's about to be time. The principal comes over and lets me take the SATs. And I point out the fact that this girl, there's a girl with short booty shorts and a tank top, she's dressed appropriately. A guy with swim trunks and flip-flops, he's here. If I take it off, I'm dressed appropriately, but I have more clothes on and I'm dressed inappropriately? I hated that idea. I'm all about the principles. Took the test, come back, read the rules, and it says nothing about bathrobes. So I start wearing bathrobes as often as possible. Okay, except for basketball game day because we had to dress up and games Playing on the team is a, is a privilege, not a right. So, fast forward to me getting a perfect SAT score. I get a perfect SAT score, all of a sudden everyone loves me. All of a sudden everyone loves me, and the bathrobe becomes the trademark. And I give this speech about social constructs. Because that's what it's about. It's You're told what to wear and told how to act, and people fall into those boxes. And boxes are meant for things and not people. And I started wearing a bathrobe then. And I went through bathrobes in, in college and in law school and everything. But when I came to the lab factory, I used to dress up because people were like, oh, if you're the MC, you should dress up, you should do like this. And then I started taking over my night, my brand, my comedy started growing. And then I was just like, I'm gonna be as much myself as possible, which includes my clothes. Wow, okay, so now we know why he's doing the whole robe thing, which is really, really great. Uh, when I first started at the lab factory, believe it or not, Jamie, the owner, was making me wear a suit and a fedora because I was supposed to be right out of uh, Chicago mob. Yeah. And after a while, I felt like, oh, look, I, I don't want to dress like this. I Just fit, give me a T-shirt. Yeah, and uh, sometimes I do it. If I'm a master of ceremonies, I got to wear a tux. We do something like that. So this is really great to, to, to know because you always find out that there's something going on in an entertainer's life before he becomes an entertainer. Obviously, this man is very educated. And now you're saying to me that you went to college? Yeah, I went to super college. I went more college than you're supposed to go to. Tell us about I went super, to too much college. Super college. I went to undergrad. I went to master's. I went, I went to law school. I did the whole thing. And this was to be a lawyer? Actually, I wasn't going to be a lawyer. I always just wanted the degree. Two reasons. First of all, knowing the rules and knowing the law is something we should all, everyone should be as educated as possible. Second of all, uh, girls love the law degree. Girls, like... Girls are my listen, listen. I'm not gonna. What you want me to lie? I'm not gonna lie. I'm 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 just me. It's it's my motivation. I just liked girls, knowing that I had a lot of grief. 
That's that's number one reason. Um, I'm just laughing real quick because somebody just wrote in, Michael, get your rope, robe. Mm. <laughs> I should go get my robe. You should have got a robe. All right, well, you're more educated because you, you were doing it for... Chicks. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't use the word chicks Women. anymore. We don't use the word chicks hey, anymore. I'm a lot older than okay. Chicks. Girls. <laughs> Baby we dolls. Use, we use the term bitches? No. <laughs> We're from the hood. We're from and the we'll be hood. right back after this commercial break. <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> you can't shut us down. We're doing our own show. <laughs> this is the fucking greatest show. We're going to get canceled. We'll be back in two hours. Yeah. Um, that is fucking hilarious. Okay, so you're a, you're a lawyer. You could be a lawyer if you I, wanted. Of to. course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and you, you, wow. How long were you in law school? For? Law school is only three years long. Oh, is it? everyone thinks it's so long? It's three years. So combined, I was in school for about seven years total. So uh, once I turned, and it, so I went from I graduated seventeen, and then by twenty three, twenty four, I was pretty much done. And then I came out here. And when you came out here, you really didn't think, oh, I want to pursue a career as a comedian? Actually, I came to L.A. specifically, so let me tell you this. So here I am, I get in all this trouble for this stuff that we were doing in money-wise in D.C. Fine. Didn't get convicted, just want to point that out to everybody. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Were you your own lawyer? <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't. They have this saying in law school, uh, anyone who represents themselves has a fool for a client. So never represent yourself. You always get a lawyer. That's right. Like a okay. Lawyer. So I'm watching television and I see the kid, uh, you know, Mikey Winfield. Do you know Mikey Winfield? No. Mikey Winfield is a great comedian. He actually won the NBC showcase a couple years back. Mikey Winfield's a nice looking kid, big fro. And I was thinking of what I wanted to do next. And I realized Mikey Winfield and I kind of look similar. And I was like, if this guy can do this, I can do it too. He was performing at the Laugh Factory that weekend. I flew to L.A., went to go see him, ended up meeting Jamie Masato, who took an instant liking to me. We had a long conversation. Jamie gave me an opportunity of a lifetime to perform, and no one performed. You know how the Laugh Factory Oh, is. the line is forever. To, so, get in, to get in, look, for those who don't know, the Laugh Factory has an open mic on Tuesdays. You go to the Tuesday open mic, you have to stand outside in the line, you have to wait all day just to maybe get your name pulled out of a hat. You get on stage, you get three minutes clean. After that three minutes, you get a, a second three minutes. Then you'll get a six-minute showcase. Then you get chosen, selected, and it goes on. The process takes years. Or you have to get famous. There's no other way around it. And Jamie Masada gave me an opportunity just from the conversation that we had and where my head was at and gave me an opportunity to do comedy that Monday. And I started because usually during... Pre-pandemic, I had a show every Monday and Thursday at the Laugh Factory. Started out just the Monday show. Now, it's only Thursdays because of my touring schedule. My touring schedule is what stops me from having my Monday show. And that's it. That's the power of Laugh Factory. That's the power of hard work. That's the power of taking opportunities and making the best of it. And also the power of being a good guy and mingling and... Uh cohabitating with other comedians who actually have the power to take you on the road, take you someplace, or show you where to go. Um, I, Tommy uh, Sabat was on my show a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about the power of uh, the help that you can get from another entertainer, and he said uh, comedians are actually of the best agent for comedians. A hundred percent. Because we know each other, and 
you know, I could be sitting here one day and go, you know, you're really right for something that my friend's doing. I'm not, but you can go. Or I'm doing this, maybe you'd like to go. Or I and Ziri, yeah, oh, no, I know the guy. Let me call the guy. Whereas if they go through agents and managers, sometimes you might not get that phone call. Or your agent or your manager might say you're not interested and you really were. So that's that's one of the nasty what's, what's things about What's the biggest role you've ever been up for but didn't get? What's the role that passed you and you don't know? You didn't know? Like, uh, no, I knew. When I was uh, 18, 19 years old, I was doing a lot of TV commercials in New York City, and I did this one that became really, really famous, and it was uh, joined the, um, no, no, it was uh, United Airlines, and I played a Marine coming home from boot camp, oh, wow. and in that year, they were casting Full Metal Jacket. So when the commercial aired, the director said to somebody, that kid on that commercial is right for this movie. So I read for Full Metal Jacket, and I lost to Matthew Modine, who became a big star. Wow. <laughs> but you know what? I was 19 years old. And two years later, I read for a part on As the World Turns, a soap opera, and I got five lines. A week later, I got another five lines. Two months later, I was a regular on the show, and I was doing scenes with, at that time, Marissa Tomei. Oh, wow. So Marissa Tomei was probably 18, 19 years old. Uh, Meg Ryan was in the other scene. She was probably 23 years old. Who knew? What was yet to come? Because I really didn't even want to work on a soap. I'm like, this is boring. I don't feel like getting up this early. I. How is it like working on a soap though? Because it's very fast paced. Yeah. They throw together. Yeah. Scenes they hand and everything you the... else you do it, and you have to go. They hand you the script in the morning, and by the afternoon, you got to be strong on your lines, or at least close to it. And but you know what? They're doing it so repetitively that you become the character. So if you and I were on the show, we already know each other's vibe. So that if you were talking to me and I heard, I would know the answer, which is in the script. So in the beginning, it's tough. But after a while, it's like, okay, this is a piece of cake. Let's do that. I never became a comedian until I moved to California. I started stand-up at 30 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was just working in TV and film, TV and film. But then your face starts to change. You get older. You're not making the money you used to make. And then you start looking for part-time jobs. So I was teaching comedy traffic school at the Improv one night, and um, Mitzi Shore's accountant was in the room. Think of this. How the fuck did this happen? And he goes, I'm the accountant for the comedy store. I'm like, well, what do you want from me? And he goes, I think Mitzi would like you. So I went over there, and at that time I was doing impersonation, so my audition went to shit. And she said to me, come back in uh, a few months. So I went back in a few months, and I tried the impersonations again. And when I got off the stage, she said to me, tell me who you are. And I said, well, I'm an Italian kid from New Jersey. She goes, great, get back up on the stage and tell me that. And I said, I'm Italian from New Jersey, and I fucking hate living in Los Angeles. She said, you're a paid regular. <laughs> and then she goes like this, this is Andrew Dice Clay. And I'm like, oh, oh how you doing, buddy? That's just how crazy this that's shit how, is. That's how it works. Like, you, you know, first of all, Mitzi's was amazing. Uh, God rest her soul. Yeah, Mitzi was the owner of the Comedy Store yeah. in Los Angeles. Very famous woman. Uh, launched the careers of so many, thousands. So many people. And uh, if I think about my time at the Comedy Store, it was like college. And I was a lot different then. Because yeah. you would say I'm from the 90s of the Comedy Store. The early 2001, 2002, 2003, before I went over to the Laugh Factory. I went to the Laugh Factory because they started to say that the Comedy Store was going to close. And they were going to sell it. It was never going to be there no more. And at that time, 
Ralphie May and um, Bobby Lee were playing the Laugh Factory a lot. So they both said to me, Marino, get down the block before you can. They got me my audition at the Laugh Factory. I auditioned to the Laugh Factory. You had to go up in front of Jamie? Oh, yes, I did. But I had the six-minute slot on a Tuesday night. I auditioned in front of Jamie. When I was done, he said, come back again in a couple of weeks and do nine. And I was kind of like, oh, fuck. But when I went back and I did the nine or whatever, he just said, oh, just leave your avails. That's how it works. But see who... Because you were good, though. See who got me in? Yeah. Bobby Lee and Ralphie May. Yeah. Not just regular people. You had to know Bobby Lee and yeah. Ralphie May. And I probably was the one that got them in the comedy store. Yeah. It went full circle. Yeah, that's how it works. It's your net worth. Your net work is your net worth. And especially with comedy, this is my, this is my thing. It's what you know, okay, then who you know. And then what you know again, and then who knows you. Very and, important. And what can you actually really bring to the table 100%. when you get there? Because we can tell you stories of people, of what they were doing before they became famous. Because we were right there with them. And to the average person, you might think, bullshit. To us, it's like, no, it's actually Tiffany. We see, we, we've we seen it. We T saw Tiffany, Tiffany Haddish. We saw, I saw, that's one of my very good friends. I saw how she grew and where it happened and, and the struggle until it popped. And it looks like an overnight, there was nothing overnight about her working for 26 years. 24 of which had no results. 23 of which had very limited results. I remember Tiffany Haddish. And I would play Laugh Factory, Long Beach a lot. Laugh Factory, Hollywood a lot. And Tiffany would say this to me, Michael, can you walk me to my car? I'm afraid of a, yeah. an ex. I'm not going to say her part of her life. Oh, shit. Let me shut that up. Go the ahead. Phone, the Finish that <laughs> Tiffany used to, look, Tiffany watching her become and blossom to the person who she's always been on the inside. Because remember, the greats, the greats always know they're great before everyone else. We all catch up to how great they are. But watching Tiffany grow as a person, become this person, is amazing. Gerard Carmichael, Andrew Santino, watching it all happen. Uh, watching Mike Marino grow into people. Listen, can I tell them about how women wear your underwear? Do they know? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I sell the underwear. I'm selling it tonight, Mike. Yeah, yeah, it's not, his, it's not your personal underwear that women wear. Hold I, on a second. You I'm having a show. Talk. I'm having a show, and these girls are showing. They're like, look, I have Mike Marino's on. And Mike Marino sells underwear, and there's a whole slew of girls at the show who are wearing Mike Marino panties. Yeah. The panties say, uh, get the bat. Oh, and make America a tiny. Yeah. And shirts. Yeah, we know what the panties really say. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just the Mike Marino panties. <laughs> They're they showing say, call me. That's what it, like they were just, Mike Marino has women wearing his panties. You watch that happen. You watch people cultivate their fan base. And it comes from a place of realness. Like, like Mitzi told Mike, like you go on stage and you tell people who you are. And that's yeah. how it is. Night in and night out. You have to have a point of view. You have to have a reason. Who are you and why are you telling us we should believe in you the way that you are? Yeah. Still no sound. You keep on talking. No hey. sound over there at Instagram, but Facebook is doing going strong. Uh, for everybody, we're still watching for the comments. So if you have comments, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Gina Marie, we appreciate you. Mel Pastore. Mel Pastore. You know? <laughs> Michelle Serling Hughes. See, Michelle looks like one of the people who has Mike, uh, Mike Marino panties. I'm telling you right now. 
It's a real thing. It's a real thing. But watching people just grow and blossom and you sit there and wait for, I guess, your turn. But there's a lot of things that go into it, right? So right now I have a friend, Aristotle, who just got on SNL. I'm watching it happen. My buddy Chris Red, two years ago, he was... Great fucking making, guy, Chris. Yeah, three years ago trying to make it happen. Now, SNL, own show, Keenan. He's, he's got, on with that guy from SNL. They had Keenan, their own show. Yeah. yeah. Keenan had a show. Now he's got a new show that's on Peacock uh, called the, the, the Meltdown or something like The Breakdown. One of those. It's just amazing to watch this happen. And you're like, wow. Because it makes it more real. I feel like it makes it more real for you. I don't get jealous or envy, envious. I just use it as inspiration. Like, this is a realistic thing that can happen. It's just you have to keep working, work hard, work smart, do it all. And then one day it'll be your here's, turn. Here's one of the things that I see happening. All right, We're learning that this guy is a lot more educated than you would think. Because when you watch him on stage, he has that rhythm of, hey man, I'm anybody's anybody. And I'll hang around with you. I'm a regular blue-collar Joe. Then you get him on a show like this and you find out he's more educated than half the people you've known in your life. He said, you know what, it's only three years for law school. It's not that big of a deal and I could be my own lawyer. And now you find that out because he's on a show. But when you watch him in the club, this is what I see. And I bet you I'm going to be right. And if I'm right, I better be the fucking first guest on his show. He's going to get a talk show. He will get a talk show. He's going to be the next Jay Leno. No, not Jay Leno. Who? Um, I'll take a Jay Leno. Jay Leno has $400 billion. Yeah. He has 900 cars. But not that style. Like a, he has a, a CarMax full of classic cars. Uh, yeah, I'm not Jay Leno. Not, not Jay Leno. Not, 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 not a Jimmy Kimmel. Who am I thinking that's got... You know, like back in the day when Arsenio had a show. You know, that type of show. You know, Keenan Ivory Wayne's had a personal. show. Yeah, something more with a bit, a bit of a bite to yeah, it. It's more style, my style. It has a little more... Oomph. Yeah, and he might even wear a robe. I would wear a robe. He like that's robe. the whole thing. I'm pushing the robe. Okay, I'm comfortable all the time. Be sponsored by Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> but you get your robe, Tyron. Hilton. Hilton. They gave it to you. No, I took it. I was staying in. Hundred percent. Right. Oh, this is this is gonna be great. And I see that. And then uh, what's gonna be happening is I'm gonna be working on a film somewhere, and uh, my agent's gonna say, "Hey, we got you a booking on Tehran show." I'm like, "I'm on the other line with Tehran. Yeah, you didn't right get the now. booking. I did." Every time you come to town, you need to be on my show at the Laugh Factory. I love it. You know I want to do it. Listen, my shows are very packed. They're usually sold out. It's a great crowd. And they love Mike Marino. They love Mike I love doing the crowd, too, because his crowd... Now, let's talk about this, too. Mm. Now, when you go on stage, of course, you say your name is Tehran. I just found out today, well, not today, but... Your last name is Von Gossry. Exactly. Did I say it right? You did, Von Tehran Von Gossry. My little... uh, um, cancer thing was taken off my nose by a guy, his last name is Gossery. Hold on, Dr. Gossery did the cancer thing yes, for you? you know Dr. Gossery did the yeah. cancer thing for Payment. you? Yeah, Paymon Gossery. Get the fuck out yeah, of here. Of course you I know Gossery. Oh, this course. is bullshit. Yeah. I gotta go see him tomorrow. No, get the bandage like, taken off. You know Tehran, of course. What, because you go to him? No, no, no. No, no, no. First of all, when you have a last name in, in Farsi, you're usually somehow related, number one. But number two, so Gossery's not like, it means from the castle, so it's like a, a royal last name. But number two, a lot of the, because uh, I'm half Persian, half black for those who are at home, like, what is what is going on now? Uh, my, my father's Iranian. A lot of the Iranians in the community, we all know each other. How exciting is this? What are the chances yeah, this yeah, would yeah. be fucking happening? All right, so I went to go see my primary care physician today. All right, now, his assistant, 
is a huge fan of Maz Jabroni. So oh. when I walk in, she goes, we love Maz Jabroni with that accent. Is she Persian? Yes. Did you know? She's a heart doctor or whatever. She puts the thing on your neck to see if your heart's pumping. And if she smokes cigarettes, I love this Maz Jabroni. Maz Jabroni. And I'm like, you all know I'm a comedian, right? Because they're thinking I wouldn't know these guys because they're Persian or whatever, yeah. or, or whatever it is. So... I got a history with Maz Jabroni. We're going to hit on that, and I'm sure you know about it too. It's one, one of the most loveliest men. He's like the nicest guy in show business, Amazing. yet he says, I'm the nicest guy in show business. Loves you. So, Maz Jabroni uh, is kicking some serious ass. You've been working with Maz, yeah, yeah, and with Maz he uh, found his way into a certain market of an audience that's. Kind of was groundbreaking, I would say. A hundred percent. Axes of Evil. Groundbreaking. The Axes of Evil, him, I met Ahmed, and I forgot what the Dean other guys Obadiah, had. and then later it was, why can't I think of his name right now? I'll, it'll come. Haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah. But I go to the doctor today, his name is Dr. Robani. And you have all Persians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all your doctors. These guys are great. You have man. great insurance. Listen, I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it means. It means you have great insurance. I go to see Dr. Robani. It's 25 years. I've been doing jokes about my relationship with the doctor because, like an Italian, when the, I don't know what it is. We talk about his family. We talk about food. He told me today that his wife spent 10 years in Italy, that she speaks Italian, the little kid this, the brother this. And then when the doctor's appointment's over, he goes, you know, I love you, don't you? And we hug and kiss each other, yeah, like kiss. Italian. Mikey, Mikey, you know. And he's younger than me. He's probably like uh, 45 years old. And it's it's just super cool. So they're big fans of you. They're big fans of Monster Brawny. And I'm sitting there going, uh, check my blood. So he checks my blood and makes sure that everything's good. And he's the one who sent me to Dr. Gashry, Payman Gashry. He's got a brother. I think he's, I don't know if it's his twin brother. But when I go in there and I had the surgery on my nose, I Instagram it. Oh, that's amazing. I can't believe you know these guys. Of course I know these guys. This is hilarious. Hermione has a whole family in this area. He's like a, a, a he's got a strong family. So Vaughn Goshry. So, um, Vaughn is my mother's maiden name. Oh. And then my father, my mother and father, this is, you know, this was so avant-garde back then. They put their names together for me. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So Vaughn is my mom's last name, and Gasri, Gasri is my father's last name. So what actually are you? How did you become black Persian? Who's Persian? Who's black? So how did I become? No, in your family. I, I grew, you know, I went to a meeting, and uh, I joined. <clears throat> and, uh, okay, so my father's Iranian, so my father is Persian, and my mother is black. Uh, and our families, you know, they met in college, and then... Uh, so where's your mother me? from? My mother is American black, but her mother on her um so my grandmother was an Egyptian Nubian black, like a black Nubian, like a dark skinned Egyptian. And her father was American black. And they you know, my grandmother was born in the United States and that's how that lineage started. That is where it came from. And you So my twenty three and me is fantastic. I'm going to have to do 23 and you me. Have to. Imagine me calling you up. You're never going to believe Yo, this. No, we're related. <laughs> yeah, me and Maz go way back. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Okay, so you have brothers and sisters? I do. So there's uh, five of us total. Wow. Yeah. Oh, mother and father, three kids? Yeah, five kids total. Five kids. Five kids total. They so all back in D.C.? Exactly. They are in the around surrounding areas. So they're in Virginia and Maryland. So I have uh, two siblings in Baltimore and three in Fairfax. And you're the only one in showbiz? I am the only one who's even loud. They are quiet, kind. 
humble kids. I yeah. don't understand how my family produced me. Yeah. I'm like, the loud one. I'm the outspoken one. I'm the extra one. Yeah, the one in the middle. Are you in the middle? No, I'm the oldest of all people. <laughs> so you wouldn't even think, people always think I'm the youngest one because of the way I act. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm the oldest. They are just more responsible. This is crazy. Yeah. yeah, I'm the middle child. I'm the only one that's in show business. I can't wait to do my 23 and me so I can find out if I'm related to half these doctors. <laughs> Maybe I get a discount. I get a discount anyway. These guys love them. They love them. They're like, they hey, go ahead, Mike. Run on the treadmill, Mike. Run on the treadmill. Mikey, run. run. Treadmill, run. run. And, and the hugs and kisses are hilarious. Actually, sometimes when I think about it, the people in the waiting room are all speaking a totally different language. I don't even know what the hell anybody's talking about. All I know is I'm in good hands with this man. He makes me feel so good about anything. I mean, I had dating a girl once. I was dating a girl once, and I was really upset about it. And I was in his office for like an hour talking about that. I wasn't even getting the checkup. Well, A, you have ins great insurance. Because you know, both of those are like the top doctors in their field. Oh, really? Yeah, they're like the, they're like notable doctors. They're not just little, but they're noted doctors in their field. Well, um, I'm really lucky. They moved into a new building and went over there today. I'm going to go back and see the other guy at Gashree tomorrow. Yeah. I can't wait to invite, invite them to a show. I'm like, you're never going to guess who's performing. Oh, is it Maz? I'm like, well, yeah. Now, come on, let's go. Yeah, Maz, Max, Amini, and Tehran. Those are the Persians' top three. And I got to be honest, ladies and gentlemen, three of my favorite comedians. I, I, I can't believe how well I'm treated by these guys. Max Amini, every time he saw me, he used to have this huge smile, and he would hug me, and I'm like, dude, why are you so happy? And he goes, I just think you're great. You and are. he goes on stage, and he don't give a shit about nothing. He'll just go crazy and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. So this is all really, really wonderful. So tell us about where you and Maz are going and what you're doing. So Maz has been taking me on tour for the last five years. Really? And it's been growing. It's been getting big. Maz is international. And we got to get into your story with Maz because you have a Maz story. Okay. You, know? uh, you and Maz were comedy store guys. We were comedy store guys because a long time ago I was teaching a comedy class. Maz took the comedy class. Uh, we became friends. Yeah. I was a regular at the comedy store. And then he called me and said, can you get me in? And at that time, it's actually really hard to say to a talent coordinator, would you take a look at my friend? Because that happens like a hundred times an hour. Take a look at my friend, take a look at my friend. And if you're really not engrossed into it, you might not be the guy to do the introduction because you can get canned yourself. But I did, and Mitzi loved Maz. Maz got in, and away we went. Uh, it was actually me and a guy named Wheels Parisi that got Sebastian into the comedy 100%. store. And uh, we used to do a show called The Night of a Thousand Guidos. Me, uh, Joe Diaz, Joe Rogan, and all these cats from way back in the day. And, and even Dice was doing the show. Don Myrera was doing a show. A couple other guys that are no longer in stand-up. A couple of guys who have passed away. And uh, it was all a great learning uh, experience. One of the sad things is there was no such thing as Instagram, so you don't have the proof yeah, that we were doing. No video. You just no look video. at the picture on the wall and say, well, there they were. It was a moment in time. Yeah, so, but now we have what we have, and now it's going around the world, and, um, you know, you're still friends with these guys, and you could probably say, hey, listen, while you're going where you're going, maybe you could throw me a bone or say, hey, can I be on your show? Or the reverse, because, you know, I'm going to be going on tour with a couple of guys that are really happy that I'm taking them where I'm taking them. Of course. I mean, and to me, it's kind of like, it's a uh, great opportunity. go ahead, and when you blow up, then you come get me, or, or whatever it yeah, is. It's a team sport. You see it all the time. You see the King Adam Sandler. 
Adam Sandler does that. This the same guy. Group Rob yeah. Schne- who, Rob Schneider, that whole crew, just that Adam Sandler crew. Judd Apatow does it with his little crew, the Seth yeah. Rogen squad. And you know, and it's great when comedians realize the value in having each other's backs. That's why I just appreciate the fact that every time something comes up, Mike thinks of me. I do. Uh, well, I think of a lot of different uh, entertainers for a lot of different things that would pop up, and uh, we're always going to hope that's going to shine our way for the rest of our lives because comedians can be their best agents. A hundred percent. And as Jamie Masada, the owner of the Laugh Factory, will always tell you, we are doctors. We are doctors of the soul. We're a family. So on Thanksgiving and Christmas, you got nowhere to go because you're a misfit child, the clown, the court gesture. Come on over to the Laugh Factory and hang out with us. Yeah, we get there every uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. We yep. actually feed the unhoused. So people who are unhoused or have nowhere to go, they come there and they get a free show. And we're always there. Tiffany Haddish is there. And you you get uh, a lot of big name comedians come. Oh, yeah. Like all of them. Top, top name goes. Jabroni come comes. Max Amini does. Like all of us are there. But you get a lot of, you get Dion Coles and you get the Dane Cooks. And you get that whole family. Yeah. We, we, there's so many names we just draw on a blank sometimes, but uh, I can't even think. Uh, but it's been so long because of the pandemic. I was just thinking who was there last year. I was yeah. like, oh, we didn't even have it last Tim year. Tim Allen, I think, was there. Tim Allen comes, yeah. Tim Allen definitely. He just had a show there. It's it's a family. You probably don't know this, but uh, one of the biggest names to perform at the Laugh Factory did something really really bad quite so many years ago, and I was the comedian that went on stage next, and that was uh, the guy who played Kramer. Hold on! Oh, hold on! Hold on! You were, because, okay, if you don't know the crazy story, Mike, Michael Richardson. Michael Richards. Michael Richards it goes on stage, Kramer. drops the end bomb like all over in a heartful, malicious way. Yes. Then Frazier is the hosting. Frazier's hosting. And he goes back on the stage. And Frazier, if you know Frazier, he's a, he's a great guy. Mild-mannered man. Very modern. And he goes, okay. Well, let's just keep the show going. As people are walking out, people are so just petrified by what happened. And Frazier calls you. I Here's what happened. Uh, there used to be a doorman there, and he was called, his name was Brother Woods. Do you remember? Yeah, Brother, Brother Woods, Woods, of course. He was the greatest, man. He just stood there like a symbol of, this is the Laugh Factory, and if you don't come in here in a happy way, you ain't coming in, right? So uh, there were kids in line for the 12 o'clock show. Michael Richards was in the 10 o'clock show, and uh, the kid said, hey, my buddy turned 21 tonight. Can you razz him up? And I said, well, I'm in the midnight show, so yeah, okay. And Brother Wood said, well, this show's just about to wrap. Why don't you go ahead and go in there now? Okay. Michael Richards is on stage. So these kids, who, I got to be honest, I don't think there was a black guy in the group. They were Mexicans and Asians and a mixture of 21-year-olds, like you see on the Hollywood strip. It's not that big of a deal. It's actually necessary. We need this so that we can find our stride and see what works within the flavors of the food. So they go side and they were up on the tower and they were just making noise that's what was making Michael Richards upset so when the kids said to Michael Richards hey it's my friend's birthday razz him up a little bit I was standing in the back with uh, Sinbad who I had never met and Johnny Sanchez and a bunch of kids because we were waiting to go on in the midnight show which means this show was going to let out and the midnight show would have had maybe 20 people 
And I was last in the midnight show, but I always go early because I like to hang out, seat everybody and whatnot. So here I am standing there, and the kid said something, and Michael Richard said, why don't you just shut up? And he said, it's my friend's birthday, I'll just shut up. And so the kid goes, you suck. And that's when Michael Richard that's said... That's what prompted everything? Kind of, yeah. No. A comedian like Tehran would have said, happy birthday, shoot him a drink. Done. Yeah, I mean, that's So who knows why? And a lot of people don't know. He started saying, I'm so rich, I could do this. I'm so rich, I could do that. He talked about money. And Sinbad was like, I wonder where he's going with this. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Well, the melee started because the servers were afraid to go check out. Because it looked like there was going to be a riot. Mind you, you have to understand, there's a lot of tourists in this room. And they don't know how to respond. They think God knows what's going to happen. So Jamie comes up to me and he goes... Marino, clean this up. And I'm like, I'm not next. I'm in the last show. And he goes, just go up there. Go ahead. Come on, hurry up. Clean this up. And they escorted the other kids out. So when I went on stage, I just said, you know, you black people here in California kind of make me laugh a little bit. If he ever talked like that where I'm from in New Jersey, they'd have stabbed him seven times before he got off the stage. I'm like, I don't know what you're waiting for. He's standing over there. And the place went fucking They just bananas. lost. They lost. Right. And then I went like this. Good thing you didn't say nothing about the Italians. <laughs> and it was over. And you just... It you was quit. crushed. Because, you're, because of your... But it's also your disposition. It's not just what you said. It's how you said it and the way you said it. Everyone knew it came from an actual, genuine, good place. And you're having... You're making light of a horrible thing that just happened. And just trying its best to bring everyone back together. It was crushed... And nobody said another word. They didn't let the show out. They didn't turn the shows around. They just let the people stay for the 12 o'clock. And I don't remember them introducing another comedian. I guess maybe Jamie said, just leave Mike, go. And just you. And the light never changed. I just kept on going and going. And it was over. The next night, I don't know what happened. It was a Saturday night. And I was hosting the 8 o'clock show. And Jamie came up to me and said... Michael Richards is going on first. Bring him up big. He's a little nervous. And I go, nervous? What the hell is he even doing here? Yeah, why is he here? And he goes, don't worry about it. Just bring him up big. So me, being the guy that I am, I went on stage and I go, ladies and gentlemen, this next guy coming to the stage, you should have seen his show last night. Oh, Larry. He destroyed the place. Anyway, his <laughs> nothing was said. Does everyone know what we're talking about? Look Please it up on the internet. what's going on. Please understand what's going on. If you're uh, Mary Ann Devlin, I need you to do it. Safi713, I need you to get in. Child time with Sam. You all, I appreciate you for being on the chat. All of you in this, uh, and we even have people here on this Facebook. Uh, people are go uh, going crazy. Yep. Mel knows that you should. Ingrid, all of you, listen. I want you to look it up and understand. Mike Marino is a part of history. A part of the lap. <laughs> oh, wait history. a minute. It goes even further. The news broke. At Chocolate Sunday. <laughs> Chocolate Sunday. So there was news cameras down there and this, that, and the other thing. And I get a phone call. Come down to Chocolate Sunday. People want to talk to you. I'm like, for what? <laughs> I, got in the, I got in the Boston paper, Chicago paper, no, a bunch of different everything. Papers. That was crazy. Yeah. But I did say this, and maybe you can contest to this. To the average comedian, it was another night at work. He, didn't, he did not have to do what he did. The average comedian would just said happy birthday, sent the guy a drink. 
And if the guy kept on heckling, you'd have handled it. A hundred percent. We know how to handle hecklers and some of the... Not even heckling. They're happy. Yeah. And they want to be there. They're just being there. They're trying to be involved. And that's the point of the show. And you, you do it in a way that doesn't disrupt the rest of the crowd and you do it with good intentions. Unfortunately, in this situation, and as comedians we know, Michael Richards, when he said what he said, which was extremely inappropriate and rude in every way... Um, He's just not a good comedian. It's never mind the racism. He just wasn't a good comedian at yeah. this. He just wasn't a I good comedian. I think sometimes something happens to people when they get so super famous and they make such super money. Stay the fuck home. Leave us younger people who are doing what we got to do alone. I mean, come on. What the fuck was that all about? And pretty much destroyed his career. Yeah, I mean, it definitely took a slide after that, and there was no coming back. I mean, he definitely, and especially... I didn't know that that was the crew or anything because I knew that the person he even called the N-word wasn't a black person. It was a, he missed. Well, you know how you else. look up and you can't see. It's dark and he just called you, and that's. You're blinded by the light. Blinded the assumption the then. This was almost an assumption. Yeah. Does everybody sound what they might think is black? I mean, it makes it worse. Everything he did was extremely wrong and everything Mike Marino did as a comedian was extremely right. Even yes. that introduction, just to bring that callback where only a only, handful only of the people, comedians knew. Yeah, only a handful of people <laughs> even understood what was just done. And it was just honestly, that's brilliant to be <laughs> like, hey, you should have seen him last night. He destroyed the place. Oh boy, did he blow the room away? Yeah. Hey, let's do this, man, because we're getting really long and yeah, I knew yeah. this was gonna happen. Tell everybody where they can find you on the internet. And how they can get maybe complimentary tickets if you're doing that over on Thursday nights, that's up to you. Every, okay, first of all, every single Thursday, find me at the Laugh Factory. Every Thursday, I'm, when I'm in town, I'm always there. It's the spot. It's the, forget the funniest, it's the funnest show in Hollywood. It's fun. It's fun. It's you have fun. a great time. Well, you, and you know what? You'll see a lot of Persians. A hundred percent. You'll see a lot of. A lot of Persians, you'll see a if lot of... If there's any Persian girls watching this good show... Good-looking girls, good you'll looking, see Oh, my gosh. Please, hook a brother up. Yeah, it's, it's the way to go. <laughs> I'm so, going on 23 and me, so if I have a little Persian and you, hook a there. brother up. Definitely Thursday nights. But find me all across the board on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, everything at I am Tehran. I-A-M-T-E-H-R-A-N. Find me. My name is Tehran, like the capital of Iran, which makes it fun to be black Persian and named Tehran in the United States. So definitely find me... And spread the word, spread the spread the love. Just don't spread Corona. Don't spread that. Um, this has been so much fun. I loved having him on the show. But before we go, we're going to taste a couple of foods. I brought some food, as I normally do, from uh, Foggia Italian Market in Delhi in Lakewood, California. It's very close to the Laugh Factory. That's where I was going. I grabbed a couple of sandwiches. I took them on stage with me love tonight. It. And I loved it. So everybody out there, the food tonight that's on this table, I'm going to show you in a minute. Is from Fogia Italian Market in Delhi, 5522 Del Amo Boulevard in Lakewood, California. You can look them up on the internet at www.fogiadeli.com. Fogia is a town in Italy. A lot of people there have blonde hair and blue eyes on 23andMe. Now I'm just fucking making him laugh. Um, he doesn't eat pork for whatever reason. And what did I do? I made a meatball sandwich. So we're not going to let him have that. I do have some pizza slices from Fogia on the table. And this is... Uh, Chicken parmesan. We're gonna try everything. And uh, let's do this. You can go ahead and 
Take I, it right there. I have Invisalign. I have to take the Invisalign out. I have to do the Invisalign thing. I have to take them. There's nothing cool about what I'm about to do right now. I'm the only thing my... that's cool about it is I want to get Invisalign too. I got a crooked teeth, and I bet you he knows a Persian yeah. doctor. A hundred percent. They hooked it up. I get everything hooked up. You get everything hooked up. I need to get Invisalign. Oh. Holy shit. Invisalign is amazing. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. So I need to straighten this out. Yeah, it's amazing. You got perfect teeth, man. I hate it's amazing. I you. wear the it's like the little retainer thing. By the way, I only had Invisalign total of two months, two months, and my teeth were completely straight. I looked at my teeth. I was like, it was one of those things where I disliked it so much. Uh, my tooth, I had a tooth that was a little crooked, and this I had a gap before, and it just, I just, and I got Invisalign, and honestly, it corrected it right away. See what you learn on this show. It's amazing. The best doctors are Persian. <laughs> the, uh, you know, and if you want to get Invisalign, you got to call Tehran. He's got the hookups. Get a Persian doctor, but yeah, Doctor Elliot Abdut hooked it up, and uh, it's amazing. By the way, I just want to let you know, Fogia. In case you don't know about Fogia, it's right there in Lakewood. It's a great date spot. See, I'm in the spot where I still got to go on dates. Me too. Yeah, and I, I find places like this with great food, a little ambiance that have a little like a lot of like personality that that's reasonably priced, but with amazing food. That's how you work it in. The way to a woman's heart, her stomach. They always think it's a man, no, the woman. Get it right. Well, Tehran and I are going to enjoy a little garlic bread. Uh, he's going to have a little I'm gonna have some chicken food. Farm. And we're going to say goodnight. This has been probably one of the funnest shows I've ever had. Where were you three, a uh, couple of months ago when we did my 200th episode and we had the best of the 200 episodes? This is 203. So when we do the best of who was the best guest, we'll make sure we uh, put in the hat for uh, Tehran. Tell your friends. <laughs> Anthony wants to tell you, Mike, something. Did you tell the number four? I don't know. Oh, that's East Coast food. This is West Coast food. Good night, Angela. Good night, Marie. Good night, everybody. Sorry we weren't taking any questions. We're having way too much fun, and we got a lot of food, so we got to get going. I'm Mike Marino. Hey, folks, thank you so much for watching another episode of Live from My Mother's Basement. Remember, let's make America a tiny again. Or Persian. Or Persian. You don't know nothing. You don't see nothing. You don't say nothing. And how do I end every single one of my broadcasts by always saying the same thing? Oh, wait. I would like to thank our producer, Tatiana Blue Shell. Amazing. Isn't she fun? You got all the text messages, you get the emails, everything was really good. We do this just right. We've all been COVID tested. We don't have no diseases. We're all fun. Uh, we always ask all I guests. I have a booster. You got a booster? Yeah. I got the booster. Be Persian. I'm telling you, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. I got the booster. Yeah. What? Boosted. I got the booster already. Find us everywhere. I'm Mike Marino. And we end each one of these broadcasts by always saying the same thing. Ready? Don't, Don't take, take no, no shit, shit from, from nobody. nobody. <laughs> Love it. Dude, that was almost too fucking funny. We could have did another fucking hour. I cannot believe... I never know who the... You know who... I can't wait to tell... Jamie. Jamie's like, I forget who went on. I, I have to tell him it was you. We just talked about this recently. Really? Mm-hmm. Because... There was another guy that was supposed to. There was a bunch of guys that was supposed to be Thanks for listening to Live from My Mother's Basement with me, Mike Marino. Make sure you log on to all my social media at Mike Marino Live. 
on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.